0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the SmartCast podcast with Operator 1198. I am your host for today's episode, Operator 1198. And on today's show, we are going to talk about the recent decline in transit ridership in the U.S. Um, every every now and again in my, my morning news feed, I'll come across articles that say transit ridership in the U.S. is declining. And it's normally followed by uh, different stats from various databases. And honestly, as a driver, uh, these articles make a very convincing case. And from my driver's seat, my point of view, my vantage point, uh, whatever you want to call it, I agree. I do see that overall ridership does feel like it's declining, even though buses may, you know, be appearing to be jam-packed, but why? As great as these transit declining reads are, none of them actually have been able to identify why ridership has been declining. The quality of buses has gone up. Real-time resources are extremely accessible, making the bus almost uh, as convenient now as it's ever been. Some of them even have Wi-Fi. One would believe that these things would increase ridership, but the numbers are going down. Again, why? I think there's numerous reasons that involve things like Uber, Lyft, and you know, things of that nature, which I'll cover at another time. But for now, I want to focus on things that as an operator we can actually control, such as the operator slash management administration relationship. I think this, uh, this relationship is strained and it's causing us to, for lack of a better phrase, put out a, a bad product. No different than your, your standard US business when a competitive society is losing customers to better products and services. Now, before I really begin and dig in, I wanna warn you, no, I don't have a ton of stats and percentages. Those who know me personally will tell you I'm not the really biggest fan of big data because I feel like big data doesn't give you the real picture, it gives you numbers. Um, so like I said, I'm not really a big fan of them. So this, uh, you know, this, um article or podcast in a sense is going to solely be based upon my opinion based around what i see every day and you know based around what i've experienced as my 10 years as an operator and the theories i've kind of been able to gather um the biggest culprit in all of this uh is you know the biggest culprit in this decline Oh, I'm going to delete that bus operations culture i think this may be the biggest culprit of all in my opinion Um, Comparing my earlier years as an operator to now, the quality of the actual bus ride has gone down dramatically. I believe it's a shared result between drivers, management, and passengers that have caused the culture of the bus ride to suddenly decline. I keep mentioning culture because I feel like that's where the, the problem really lies at. I'll try my best to explain. I'll start with us as operators first. For as long as I can remember, I've always seen agencies hiring. There seemed to be a shortage of drivers a few years back That's still working itself out to replenish the workforce. I recently read an article that said Orange County Transit in California, I believe, was somewhere around uh, hundreds of drivers short. Now, while this is great for those who are looking for a great job and study work, I think this has trickled down to the actual quality of potential job prospects. I can't lie. As I've ridden bus service and seen some of my coworkers, I've had to ask myself like, dude, how did you get here? Or how are you still employed? I've witnessed some crazy things. At one point in time, the bus operator in our communities was a position of prestige and respect, but now not so much, but again, why? With short staffing across the board, I believe this has put uh, human resources and the decision makers in a position to actually fill numbers and quotas, not necessarily vet and hire the best candidates. As a result of this, you end up with a higher percentage of staff that in reality don't want to be bus operators. They just want a job. The best way to be great at anything in life is to do what you love. And the love for driving the bus is gone. More times than I'd like to admit, you end up with people who don't like the job, but need the job. I can tell you firsthand, with 10 years of experience, if you want to be great at driving the bus, you have to not only want to do this, but on a lot of levels, you have to love it. That's how you become a valuable asset and a valuable operator. But our metrics for measuring the actual value of an operator are too vague and one-dimensional to get a true picture of who exactly is driving the bus. Operators are typically graded by attendance and accidents. So, in essence, most of us are only required to come to work and not hit anything. Simply put, I can come to work because I need the money and I don't have accidents because, well, who wants to be in an accident? This is the unfortunate sentiment shared by a lot of operators. With no other real evaluations, operators couldn't work or improve on any deficiencies because there's no real employee evaluation. The culture isn't promoting growth, improvement, or excellence. It's promoting bare minimumisms. I know I just made that word up, but that's kind of how I feel. And this stretches across the board. I think this is because operators, old and new, are taught that this is a driving job. When it isn't. It's a customer service job. And when you pass out bad customer service, you typically lose customers. That's uh, That's the way the business world has always worked. Not to mention new candidates are unfortunately sucked into this funnel by other operators, and they begin to develop the same I hate the job sentiment, which impact their morale and work ethic. To be honest, some of us spend upwards of 12 hours a day, six to seven times a week around our coworkers. So it's not entirely out of this realm to believe that people will start to adapt the tendencies and the ideologies of those whom they are around. That's almost human nature. My mother told me as a child, you're the sum of the five closest people to you. If this was applicable to bus operators, who are the five closest operators to you? What information are they sharing? How are they helping you grow? Are you binding to the same, I only work here for my check sediments that have always been passed down through the culture? It brings me back to my point once again, how did we get here? It's not all on the operators, as most agencies in my opinion, share an equal portion of the blame as they've unknowingly helped promote the same culture. A lot of operators don't feel like management cares, and why should they? Have you seen some of these attendance policies? How about the essential employees policies? They, in the most professional way, say, we don't care, just show up, which is that attendance measurement we talked about earlier, and drive, which is the accident measurement we talked about earlier. As a result, operators do just that, I'll never forget that moment when I almost hit that wall of, of not caring and wanted to do the bare minimum. It was a few years ago. After suffering the loss of my father, I was beyond sadness to know that in such a time of grief, my agency was only willing to give me three days off to grieve, plan arrangement, attend those arrangements, and get back to work. As ludicrous as that may sound, That's what the policy says. My father passed away on a Friday night, well after business hours. So my hands were tied until Monday. And by the completion of Monday, I had used my three days. As a result of that, I was actually issued a disciplinary occurrence for attending my own father's funeral because I had exhausted my three days prior to the time the funeral had actually arrived. And it began to set in. As great as I thought I was, as great as my customer service was, no accidents, great attendance, when I needed the company I gave so much to to take the extra step for me, they refused. What management and administration haven't realized about their workforce is that paperwork and policy only hurts those who want to do the right thing. Take it from me, I've seen it from the grassroots for years. Those who don't want to, won't. They'll find the loopholes, They'll find the back doors necessary to do the absolute bare minimum. Don't believe me? Look at your agency's sick list. While the policies and such are put in place to deter the bad operators, they actually cripple and discourage the good ones and force people to weigh disciplinary action versus dealing with normal life occurrences. If you're driving to work, for example, you better pray you did not catch a flat tire due to some crazy road debris that you couldn't see or was well beyond your control. That's a disciplinary occurrence. Transit operations does not consider life happenings as due course for understanding. Sudden things like school closings, thirty inches of snow, or health in some instances are never taken into the equation. Now, I know you might say, well, that's what, you know, family medical leave is for. Not really. Family medical leave covers pre-existing conditions like asthma. If you were to have a random stroke, or let's just say you were randomly hit by a car, you were shot, just, just pick pick whatever one you want. That's not covered under the family medical leave policy. If you're walking down the street and you're a victim of just a random vibe of robbery of sorts, and you can't make it to work because you were just shot, stabbed, or whatever, that's a disciplinary occurrence. As operators, myself included, we don't really feel like we have a relationship or partnership with those who make the decisions. We have a dictatorship. A culture of they say, we do, give me my check, I'm going home. Simply. Why? Well, because you told me to shut up and drive. I'm not going to give you more because you don't give me more. The administration and management culture has completely discouraged some operators from even wanting to do a great job, simply because they don't feel like it's worth it. Why would I take the extra steps if they won't take the extra steps? I think this is due in part to the bureaucracy that public transit is. One thing I've always said that public transit does better than any other field I've ever seen is suppress native genius. There are people in this world who are naturally great at things. They're just naturally good at stuff. And a lot of those people work in transit, but a lot of times they're held back due to the political machine that is public transit and government infrastructure. It seems like everyone has a hand in the decision-making except the people who will ultimately be impacted by the decisions. For example, if you want a working and efficient attendance system, let your operators draw it up you would be surprised how much more effective that would be rather than passing down discipline for things that are out of people's control at times. Micromanagement has hurt transit operations in far as too many ways to list. The people who run transit at the grassroots levels of operations aren't allowed to freely make decisions based upon their native genius. Instead, they're instructed and controlled by policy and paperwork As a result of that, you end up with a culture of people who are only out to protect their own interests. The operators are out to protect their job. Supervision is out to protect their job. Management is out to protect their job. Everybody else is out to protect their job. And what you end up with is an agency and a workforce that's full of robots that do exactly what they're told, whether they agree with it or not. It's extremely difficult to grow any business that way, in my opinion. It's a culture of fear-mongering, lack of trust, and genius suppression. Look no further than my above example of the handling of my father's passing. Do I personally think the manager who disciplined me for that occurrence didn't understand my situation? Of course they did. I, I knew in my heart they understood. Do you personally think it's in the best interest of people's mental health to make them return to drive thousands of people after a mere three days? You probably agree that it doesn't make sense. However, that's not what the policy says. And unfortunately, management had to do what their policy said. Why? Because they have a job to protect as well. So understanding goes out the window when you have something that you need to do, something that you're being required to do. Unfortunately, the narrative over time has become just to do what you're told, not what makes sense resulting in an extreme disconnect between the workforce and the decision makers. You cannot run any productive business in 2019 with fear and retaliation. That culture and structure may be more fitting for like the 1980s when transit was operated by baby boomers who grew up in the one breadwinner, four tough, uh, red, white, blue American grit era. It might be more fitting then. However, we live in a different time now. Where mental health compassion understanding compromise these are the best ways to achieve results in the workforce people aren't relating to rules and dictatorship now they identify socially first that's why people can start and just stop supporting a brand or something that they like solely based off the people running it not necessarily the actual product just look at how many boycotts and social campaigns happened last year alone. Agencies have gotten this right as it pertains to the ride in public. However, their actual operators have been left behind. A bad complaint from a rider on Facebook and Google gets much more attention than the actual operator complaining about the working conditions. While I was also raised to be for tough and don't particularly agree with these 2019 new wave sentiments, you can't deny that that's where the ball is. And that's where it will probably be for some time. In closing. I was raised to be for tough, and I don't really personally particularly care for too many of the new 2019 sediments. But you cannot deny that that's where the ball is, and it will probably be for some time. I wholeheartedly believe that we got here because the overall structure of transit operations, on an employee level, did not evolve with society. When I created smart. I was extremely big on our seminars establishing a less-than-formal setting that was driven by idea-sharing, pizza workshop, and a casual environment that promoted growth. This was my way of trying to engineer a free-thinking culture where operators wouldn't be tied to political and policy expectations, but they would be more comfortable in expressing how they truly felt. This helped us to understand the root of their problems and the transit agency's problems more effectively. And gave us a lot more freedom when it came time to solve them. I had recently worked with a group of smart transit operators here in Maryland for a private company. We brought out the whiteboard, we had pizza, we went back and forth, and ultimately figured something out that had worked. Then we forwarded that information to the appropriate department heads, and boom, problems were solved and efficiency grew. For the record, the R Smart stands for reconfigure as we try to reconfigure operator's way of thinking to change the culture that has held back transit for so long. If you're interested in smart hosting an event for you, feel free to reach out. This is operator 1198 with the SmartCast podcast. I appreciate you for listening. Until next time, drive forward.